I think now's a good time to get up and give the word. So, uh, bless you guys. It's good to see you. Great to see you. Really, really great to see you, actually. Amazingly great to see you. <laughs> um, I'm speaking on seven mountains. This is the fourth part of my, of my message now, and I've got one more after this, which I will give next week. But, um, you know, before the rapture of the church, God wants us to experience his kingdom on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. And Numbers 13.21 says, As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Doesn't that sound lovely? Doesn't that sound wonderful? And that is what God wants before the rapture of the church. After that happens, the salt is removed. And then the evil will have its way. And it's trying really hard to, to prevent the glory of the Lord from filling the earth, which Satan's trying to get in there first, but actually he's uh, not going to succeed. And every nation has mountains of influence, and there are areas where his kingdom should be obvious and clearly seen. And I've, as I've said before, the mountains, the seven mountains are media, family, arts and entertainment, economy, uh, religion, Education and government. Okay? So those are the seven mountains. And I want to reiterate as well that, you know, God is love. He isn't just, he is a loving God, but he actually is love. He is love. And when all the people in every country experience God's love through each of those seven mountains, not just on Sundays at church, but in every mountain, then his glory is going to be seen on the earth. And we, the body of Christ, as the body of Christ, are the ones who are going to, with God, make that happen, actually. Um, and it's up to us to display God's love, his unconditional love and his goodness for people. You know, we have got work to do, though, because Satan has worked for centuries to distort the seven mountains. And the purpose of that is to distort mankind's view of God. The seven mountains are influenced currently by lies from the enemy. And it's holding back nations from God's best. But, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, um, 9 and 10, well, not verse 10 actually, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the seven mountains exist in heaven and we want to see that reflected on earth. You know, it's our job to, as the body of Christ to exert God's influence, to show his love and his goodness, to take the control off Satan, actually, um, and so a few weeks ago, I started teaching on the seven mountains, and I've spoken already on the mountain of media, the mountain of family, the mountain of arts and entertainment, the mountain of economy. And there's three more to go. And I'm going to focus today on the mountain of education and the mountain of government. So I'm going to start with the mountain of education. 
And on this mountain, what do you think God is? He's teacher. He's teacher. And his love for us on this mountain is displayed as wisdom. The wisdom that we're supposed to grow in through our educational experiences. Imagine that. Imagine the world as we know it change to such an extent that in education that we grow in God because of it. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, wisdom is the knowledge of what is right or true um, coupled with good judgment. So it's not only knowing what's good and right, but it's knowing when to apply it as well. And the origin of wisdom is God. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So that's Proverbs 2.6. It's the Lord that gives wisdom. And knowledge and understanding are imported to God. So knowledge and understanding are connected with wisdom. Knowledge means to, to know or to discover. And yes, you would agree that education is meant to be about learning things and discovering things, isn't it? To become aware. Understanding means to perceive or assemble that knowledge. It's putting it together. And everything that we learn should always point back to God, actually. Creation doesn't give us wisdom. But the creator, God, does. So the mountain of education should always bring insight, wisdom, and revelation, which should point back to God. And Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. It's something we all need, isn't it? And in all you're getting, get understanding. And from the point of view of spiritual maturity, God tells us to place wisdom in a, in a very important position. So wisdom is really important. So what strategy does Satan use in this mountain? Well, he uses humanism. It's basically not acknowledging God in any way. Humanism is a system of thinking that places importance on humans, human reasoning, and human wisdom, which is different to God's wisdom. So uh, it doesn't acknowledge God, okay? And it certainly doesn't acknowledge his wisdom. So the enemy sells the lie through the mountain of education that wisdom is found in self-dependence, depending on self, and that everything that in our own life, to succeed in life, it depends on only us, and it's only our efforts. And in order to do that, we need to be self-reliant or self-dependent. And that definitely is, having been in the education area, that is definitely one of the things that, that is, is taught. But, you know, God has a better way. That's what I love about God is that it confounds, he confounds the wise quite often. He, he, he has a better way of doing things. Now, the demonic principality over the mountain of education is Beelzebub. 
which means Lord of the Flies. And I'm sure you know what flies are attracted to. Yes. They're attracted to rotten food and dung. <laughs> so that's what flies are attracted to. So let me show you what I mean by that. So the aim of the kingdom of darkness in this mountain is to teach and mould people's minds to think in a way that doesn't acknowledge God, that excludes God. To depend on self and to focus on what you can do for yourself, to put yourself first, to create your own truth and your own wisdom, and it excludes the life giver. It excludes the life giver, and that's why the reference is, is to rot, because without life, without the life giver, what's going to happen? Things start to rot, eh? So humanism values independent effort, whereas in, in the mountain of education, God's way, it's dependence on God. So it's wisdom through dependence on God. Now, also, beneath humanism is pride and fear. Okay, so pride, and then under that is fear. And so that's a fear of not knowing enough. It's a fear of failure as well, um, anxiety about the future. And the problem with that is that where there is fear, there is no love, because 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. Fear does involve torment, doesn't it? It's a horrible thing to be fearful. And it's tormenting. Where there is no love, there's no wisdom. So who's assigned to this mountain? Well, obviously teachers, educators, teacher aides. But it's not just that. There's so much more than just schools and early childhood centres. There's, there's more to teaching than just that. So it can encompass a lot, a lot of people, a lot of, um, a lot of people. But what I want you to remember is that who's the enemy? Satan and the kingdom of darkness, not the people involved in education. So that means that even though some of the things that people in education might do might not be good, it's, they are often an unwitting pawn in Satan's plan. And so the enemy uses that to try and reach his goal. And he's been working on it for a very long time. But, in the positive sense, there are hosts of angels assigned to this mountain as well. So even though there is a principality assigned to it, there is an angelic um, angel assigned to it and hosts of angels behind that angelic force as well. And their job is to assist in revealing God as teacher. So their, their job is to assist the people that are called to that mountain to carry wisdom from heaven.
Can you hear me? <laughs> so the job of the host of angels that are assigned to this mountain is to carry wisdom from heaven to those he's called. That's cool, eh? So if you're called to that mountain, you can trust that God's got wisdom for you to assist you in replacing humanism and self-dependence with God's wisdom and dependence on him. So I thought it would be useful to talk about how God teaches us. So Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. So God teaches us or imparts knowledge in a personalized way. And here are some of the aspects of it. So first of all, God created us with unique gifts and abilities. So every single one of us are different. Every single one of us have different gifts and different abilities. And God's given them to us. Therefore, just as in a classroom, some people learn in different ways, God teaches us in, in specific ways that are specific for the way we learn. And so he's wired every one of us differently, and he will personalize our education. He'll customize it for you. I think that's cool. The second thing is that God is amazingly, he is incredibly patient with us. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I didn't always have patience when I was in the classroom. I often did, but occasionally, you know, when someone gets under your skin a little bit, oh, that was a real test of my patience. <laughs> but God never gets frustrated with us. Isn't that good? I'm so glad. He's incredibly patient with us. He gently guides and nurtures us. Um, and he knows exactly what we need at specific points in time. Another thing is, the third thing is that God gives us age-specific lessons. So this is talking about age of spiritual maturity. <laughs> so the wisdom that he shows us is he, what he does is he, he, he's amazing because he, he gives us lessons that are specific for where we're at. And even, just one example of that, and this is, not by, this is not at all the only example, but even as I give this message, you'll all be taking different things out of the message because it's God's, the Holy Spirit works to, to show you revelation for what you need. And so a revelation you might get will probably be different from a revelation that someone else will get. And that's cool, isn't it? Because God really knows what we need. The cool thing is that he focuses on us. Not, well, he, he focuses on us more than he focuses on the curriculum he's trying to teach us. See, the fourth thing is that God rewards those who have a hunger for learning. Hebrews 11.6 says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The more you want to know more about God and, and about anything, actually, because he knows everything, he will give you more. 
I've even had times where I've had a really difficult situation in my life or actually even I've had situations where in, uh, when I was working at a school, I had a situation that was really difficult to know what to do. And I woke up in the night and it was like God said, do this. And I quickly wrote it down because the next morning I wouldn't have remembered. But it's amazing how God will do that. He imparts his wisdom for specific things that we need. God as our teacher is not predictable and boring either. <laughs> he always takes pleasure in creating an environment which awakens our curiosity. And I love that about God. Um, where am I up to? So number six. God is keen to see us develop in our knowledge and understanding and in seeing us mature as we learn. So he places far more importance on seeing us mature than just passing individual tests. Although we still have tests to pass, but he wants to see us mature and grow as Christians. That makes sense, doesn't it? And the last one, God uses what we're familiar with to teach us. Jesus often spoke through stories and parables, something that we could relate to. And God teaches us in lots of different ways, but that's included. And he always has a purpose behind what he's teaching. And always it can be applied in our life. That's what I love about God. So the, in the mountain of education in the kingdom of God should lead us to discover truths which help us connect the dots that God is actually our creator and that he loves us. Doesn't need to say point blank that God is our creator, although that could, could be a place for that, but it should give us enough to allow us to connect the dots. The mountain of education should display God's love through wisdom, and wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. And so the Holy Spirit leads us in wisdom as he is the spirit of truth. God's house on earth is founded on love but is built by wisdom. So love can be shown in many ways, but wisdom is knowing the best way to apply that love. Do you agree with that? So love can be shown in many ways, but wisdom is what gives us the best way to apply that love. So I'll give you some basic examples. We might show love by buying a treat for our child. But we also might show love by saying, you've had enough treats, no more treats. We might show love by giving a hug. We might show love by letting our kids go outside to play. Or we might show love by saying, no, you can't go outside to play. You can play inside because it's raining and you'll get wet and cold. And so that's the wisdom, that's the love and applying wisdom. And every situation is different. And so for this reason, those who work on the mountain of education, being filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit is hugely important. The wisdom of God is found through the Holy Spirit, but it's in opposition to the wisdom of humanism. It may seem to be counterintuitive, and it might even require a step of faith might require us to take a step out of faith out there. 
But re because remember that any step of faith requires us to take a step away from human wis wisdom and rational thinking and logic, doesn't it? God is, he is you, a step of faith doesn't make logical sense. Eh? So here's some examples of that. When Moses stretched out his hand over the Red Sea, do you think it made logical sense to part the Red Sea? <laughs> No, of course not. Rational thought is that the waters never part. How would reaching your hand out over the water make any sense? And it doesn't. But that's where the step of faith is involved. So we've got, a, you know, stepping away from that human wisdom and embracing the wisdom of God. And also, did it make any sense when Jesus fed 5,000 men and women, plus women and children with one little boy's lunch? No. That, wouldn't, that didn't make any logical sense either. And yet, God, so God's wisdom is greater than our wisdom by far. So if we can let go of that, that human, human wisdom and, and, and um, learn to lean on God's wisdom, then that is going to be so, so much better for us. So for those of us whose assignment is in the mountain of education, as I've said before, we must remember to intentionally operate in the opposite spirit of what is presently ruling there. So reflect on God who is as teacher, God, who God is as teacher, and apply this in the way that we instruct others and in the way we influence education. So education should firstly be about instilling wisdom into those we teach, not just things, you know, not just bits of information, but it's instilling wisdom in people. So make it our goal to teach in the same way that God teaches us. So show those you teach that you genuinely care for them because a, a person's going to be so much more open to what you have to say if they know you genuinely care for them. Secondly, make it your goal to connect those you teach to their passion because that's a clue of what their gifting is. Their gifting is often what their passion is. And so show them that there are answers to every problem. When we have the wisdom of God, there are answers to every single problem. Thirdly, remember that wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. So make sure that you lean on the Holy Spirit for ways to introduce and train others in the wisdom of God. Fourthly, aim to instill a passion to learn and discover the truth. And fifth, teach others that education is about finding our place in God's world, actually. It's to experience and pass on God's love. And the last one is find ways to allow an even balance of right and left brain learning, actually, as well. So there is a place for logic and critical thinking and rational thinking. There is a place for that. God wouldn't have created us with that if there was no place for that. But there's a huge amount of emphasis on that. What we also need to learn is how to use our imagination. Our imagination is not a childish thing that you need to put away. Our ima imagination is a God-given gift to create, actually. And there's, there is nothing wrong with using your imagination. In fact, it's a God-given thing that he wants us to use. 
and it brings out our creativity as well. Has anyone sort of used their imagination to think, oh, imagine if I did this, and wow, I could be like this, or this would be really cool, or God would be really, this would be really awesome to see this happen. Yep, I bet you all have at some point in your life. You know, when we can use our imagination, we, we've, it's, it's so important that we can do that. We can take a step of faith when we've got that imagination. So there is a place for logical and critical thinking, but there's also needs to be a place where it's taught to use your imagination and to step out in faith. Great, well, that's all I have to say about the mountain of education. Now I want to talk about the mountain of government. And in this mountain, God is king. God is king. And uh, I haven't talked about colours with these mountains, but the colour purple is often associated with kingly things, isn't it? And so the colour purple is associated with the mountain of government. And God's love in this mountain is displayed as power. And when this mountain is truly influenced by God as king, there's not going to be any corruption. And freedom will be protected at all costs. People will be free to discover and serve God to be successful and thrive without any limitations. Just imagine, imagine this. Do you know what Abraham Lincoln once said? Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. It's good, eh? If you want to test a man's character, give him power. It's very true. So through this mountain, God as king is meant to assure us as the body of Christ that we're royalty. You know, God's made us kings and priests. Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, but we've been made kings as well. And so when God is king, that's meant to assure us of, that we're royalty like him. We've been, we've been uh, blessed with that. So what strategy does Satan use? He uses the lie, ultimately, that God doesn't care for us. He doesn't care for us enough to look after us. <laughs> and that is a lie. The stra strategy of the kingdom of darkness use, uh, the strategy that the kingdom of darkness uses on this mountain is corruption. And the enemy's strategy is to cause people in positions of governmental authority to become motivated by corrupting principles. And as I said before with that quote from Abraham Lincoln, uh, there is a saying, isn't there, that power corrupts? And it, it can be very true. It can be very true. Lucifer himself is the principality that rules, that resides over this mountain. It would make sense because with government, it influences nations, not just individuals. Individual, uh, yeah. So he operates through pride and manipulation. And this is seen often covertly, which means not openly acknowledged or displayed. So he, he, this is seen often covertly through powerful people, powerful families, um, societies, 
uh, such as the Illuminati, for example, who seek to control this mountain. And on this mountain, Satan uses people under his influence to use bribery and corrupt ambition to advance his agenda to control. You see, the good thing I, I love about God is that God gives us freedom, whereas Satan likes to control. Um, it's, what, it's just polar opposites. So in these types of governments, corruption, scandal, and theft, if they're not obvious, are frequently present. And uh, hopefully... They are, they're sometimes exposed, hopefully more so um, in coming times. So who works on this mountain? Well, people that work in government of any kind. So that would include national government, local government, community boards. Basically, it's any governing body. Okay? The enemy is not the people who work on that mountain, though. The real enemy is... Satan and the kingdom of darkness. So even the people who are power-hungry or corrupt or have a desire to control are not the enemy because they're often unwitting pawns used by the enemy. So the aim of Lucifer's control over governments is ultimately, as John 10.10 10 says, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Nations as well as people. He seeks to control, to enslave, and burden. See, that doesn't sound like freedom to me, eh? That's not freedom. Slavery, burdens, control. So what he seeks to do is to remove the truth that God is king and that his love is displayed as power and that God cares for us through the way he governs. And even though there is a principality over this mountain, again, there is a host of of angels, there's an angel in charge over this mountain and an angelic host underneath him. And their assignment is to restore the view of God as king on the earth. The, uh, this force is assigned to the sons and daughters of God who are called to this mountain and assist them in their government, governmental positions as they serve as visionary leaders um, in make it you know in humility and in integrity with a servant heart so when we know god as king we realize he has absolute power and authority matthew 28 18 in that verse there jesus said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth so he has all authority and then he said go therefore didn't he to to us as the body of Christ. So God is omnipotent, and what that means is that he's all-powerful. He is all-powerful, completely powerful. For God, being all-powerful, has brought out his immense love for mankind. Un that's different to man, though, where power often corrupts. You know, God's power has brought out his immense love for us Be because he doesn't just blast people from heaven and thunderbolt them, like lightning bolt them and bring them to dust, does he, if he's upset about anything? Um, God as king is complete power, but he exercises restraint, doesn't he? 
Now, nothing is impossible to God, according to Matthew 19.26. And the reason why is because he's all-powerful, all-seeing, and all-knowing. Yet he has incredible patience with mankind. Incredible patience. He's full of mercy and compassion. He is good to all, Psalm 145 says, verses 8 and 9. His desire is to see all men saved, according to 1 Timothy 2.4. So it's up to the people to choose him. Yes, God is judge. He is judge. But he loves man so much that he gives them multiple opportunities to experience and accept his love through Jesus. So if I, want, I want you to think for a minute about earthly kings. Earthly kings put up walls, don't they, around their palaces? Yep. And you can't just wander in there and say, I want to talk to the king in the throne room. You can't do that. Only privileged people can get in there. But with God, it's not like that. He says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Isn't that good? God as king is the only king who allows anyone who wants to to enter his throne room. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so we have a right to enter the throne room. God wants to see his love displayed as power with restraint reflected in the governments on na of nations on the earth. So there's quite a lot to do, I can see. When we who are on this mountain do this, we will see the government of heaven on earth. Now the balance of government on earth must be just right. God loves freedom. Too much government or not enough government can create an imbalance which is unhealthy. But it's only God who knows how much and how best to keep that balance right. And that's why those working on the mountain of government must constantly rely on the Holy Spirit for guidance and counsel. Um, great. Okay. The government which displays God's love as power uses that power for the good of everybody all of its citizens. It should make all its citizens feel that they are able to succeed. So the purpose of government is to create conditions for all to thrive. Yeah. That sounds good, eh? So it's not to control and manipulate, it's to allow freedom to, to thrive. Now the lie that the enemy wants people to believe is that God doesn't care. And A lot of governments do perpetuate that lie very well, actually. So when governments allow corruption through ungodly laws, so ungodly laws are things like, lots of things, but will include obvious ones like abortion laws, end-of-life laws, um, and even things that, uh, even laws where um, privilege is given to one group over another. You see, in God's sight, we're all equal. What that does is it actually makes the citizens feel uncared for and abandoned and exploited, okay? which is not good. So the enemy distorts godly government by bringing the wrong spirit into government with a power imbalance. And when this happens, people feel fear, they can feel apathy and hopelessness 
because they feel powerless to change what's happening. And that's a horrible feeling. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. For those who work in government, in the mountain of government, find out what it is that make the people groan and then turn it into something that makes people rejoice. <laughs> so when we know that God does care about us, we can go from wondering if there's a solution to finding what the solution is. Through God, there's always a solution. Always. There's always a solution to every problem. His solutions may disappoint some in the short term, but in the long term, the solutions will always be wise and just and compassionate and good for everybody. So for those who work on this mountain of government, Again, we always need to make sure we intentionally operate with the opposite spirit of what's ruling presently. So another thing we need to always realize is that God values personal freedom of choice. You know, he's made us in his image, in his likeness. We have the ability to choose. So we have the ability to choose right from wrong. We have the ability to choose to accept Jesus' gift of salvation, or we have the ability to choose to reject that. God never forces himself on anybody. So in other words, God gives mankind the freedom to make the wrong choice. He actually does. Therefore, those working in government need to give the option to choose wrongly, provided it doesn't directly affect others. Okay, so I'm not talking about saying um, that it, making a law that it's okay to murder Okay, because that's never right in God's eyes. It's got to be um, lining up with God's values. Okay, so it's not okay to murder. Would you agree with that? Yep. And so that obviously would affect the person that's being murdered, wouldn't it? <laughs> so that's not okay. So I'm talking about um, other things. But... Just as God doesn't compel or force, neither should those in government. Therefore, for those of us working on this mountain, the first point is, the issues you face will be too big and overwhelming for you to solve without God's help. They are. They're too big. They're too overwhelming without God's help. But with God's help, with his wisdom, with his guidance, you can. So we must, we must learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to do that. We need to be able to hear his voice and, and act on it. We need to be able to do those things. Second thing is, remember that your reflection of God's power in this mountain will be shown through his love. So everything that you do needs to be motivated by love. Thirdly, allow your actions and your deeds to identify who you are rather than announcing, I'm a Christian. Uh, yeah? because that sometimes turns people off and occasionally somebody will say that to get a Christian vote and then their actions don't line up with their words. So uh, let your actions speak louder than words. Talks about that in James, I think. The fourth point is be clear that you have authority over darkness but not, you don't have the authority to rule over people because they have the freedom of choice. So you've got to remember that God 
as king protects our right to choose him or not. Another point is the fourth, though, the fifth point is refuse to give bribery, corruption, slander, control, or manipulation in any place in your government, govern, governance. Yeah, so you don't want to allow any of that stuff to come through because then that's working in the opposite spirit of what God wants to operate. The sixth point is always maintain godly humility by not allowing pride to take root in your life. Okay? So from pride comes abuse of power. And remember, Proverbs 16, 18 says pride comes before a fall. And the final point is ensure you base your thinking on God's values because compromise comes really easy to those who don't have their values based on God. Eh? Because they're like, oh, I'll just, okay, I'll, I'll do this, you know. So compromise is not a good thing. So that's why you've got to have your values solidly based on God's values. So uh, I... That's the end. That's the end of my message, actually. But I, I just want to pray, pray for you all. You know, we all, uh, we all have influence in at least one of those mountains, probably more than one. Father God, I, I pray, I thank you, Father God, that you've been teaching us about these seven mountains, Father. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here that is unsure where their place is, Lord, show them. Show them, Lord, show them, reveal to them what it is that you have for them as their assignment. I thank you, Father God, for your love for us, your, your, your joy, and when we do find that passionate thing that we're passionate about, Father, I pray, Lord, for blessing and life over every person here, Father, that they would um, find their place in you and exert their influence, God, godly influence on the mountains that they are involved in, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen. So uh, really, that we've had a... If there's anybody that doesn't know Jesus,